Media. Fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast, where we are featuring the athletes of the 2023 CrossFit Games semifinals. And we are so honored today to have with us none other than Mr. Marquan Jones. What's going on, Marquan? How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm ready to chop it up so we can talk it out. <laughs> so I know um, Charlie and I's other um, passion other than CrossFit is football. And so I got I got to start with the origin story. You played at Clemson. Was football always your passion growing up? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was just something that, you know, instilled in us at a young age. My father played football. Everybody, you know, pretty much our family played football. So it was like follow, following the line or following the footsteps of, of Pops. And, uh, yeah, and we, we pretty much hit the ground running as soon as we could run, as fast as we could and catch and be outside playing. That's when we first started. As, as little little kids, four or five years old. Uh, do you have siblings that played? Yes, uh, I have another brother that we you know we live in South Carolina. But well, we, when I lived in South Carolina, another brother he played at Mars Hill College, and then uh, we have I have a younger brother that played, and then on my mom's side, I also have brothers that played there as well, played football as well for a short time though. So, yeah. So any any like competitive matches in the yard or? Oh, yeah. Park. And, and some hard training sessions. My father was somebody who pushed us really, really hard. So whenever, you know, right after football games, I remember every Friday night we would go watch uh, the film. My dad, would, my dad would break it down. Uh, and then in the next morning, we would, you know, correct some mistakes that we made. And then probably some some sprints if we didn't play too well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely remember those days where it was super competitive. And at the time, growing up, I played quarterback and my, my brother played receiver. Um, obviously, those roles switched later on in my career. But uh, I would always just – it would just be me and him throwing throwing and catching, working on routes and, you know, just, just becoming better players as much as we could. So when did you make the switch to wide receiver? Uh, I actually made the switch. So I played running back quarterback when I was in middle school, and then I made the switch to receiver in high school. Uh, we had a couple good quarterbacks there, um, and – our coach was like, "Hey, we probably could use you at the receiver spot. You seem like you got good speed, pretty athletic. Let's uh, let's put you at receiver and see what happens." And that's all she wrote. So you're more of a speed guy than a hands guy. I uh, look around. Sure, both. You kind of got to have both when you uh, playing at Clemson. But it was a little bit of both. I was, I was more so a, a good route runner, very smart, understood defenses, defenses. And I uh, had good hands, and definitely the speed was there. I was I was probably faster in high school than I was college, though. I gained a lot of weight. Okay. You know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to the question on you had to have both to go to Clemson because my my brother in law actually played for Clemson too a couple okay. years before you, but he's slow, so <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know. You're right. All right. So maybe <laughs> he had really good hands and could run good routes. Yeah, he was he was six five, so that helped. Oh yeah, well that's definitely the case. What's his name? <laughs> Kevin Youngblood. Youngblood. Yeah. Kevin Youngblood. Did he play in the NFL for a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A couple, couple years. Yeah, that's what's up. I remember him. We, we would always have alumni trip, go back and they would have alumni trips. Alumni would come back and I def, he was definitely one of, the, one of them that came back. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. He's always hanging with uh, Dabo, going yeah. back there for all that, the spring yeah. game, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So what was what was recruiting like? That's got to feel like when everybody's like coming after you, like that you're you're this wanted guy. Uh, or, or was it different for you? It was very different for me, actually. Uh, I kind of I kind of didn't want to play the recruiting game in high school just because I wanted to be more focused on what I had to do to get in college, uh, what I also had to do to perform well on the field, and I didn't want I didn't really want too many distractions. So fortunately enough, I had a verbal commit to Clemson my sophomore year. I started varsity my freshman year. And then, you know, Clemson used to, you know, was was around. They would watch games. And then my sophomore year in high school, I took a I, I went to a camp 
And at the time, Tommy Bowden was the head coach. Tommy Bowden said, Quan, we like what we see at camp. We love your freshman film. We feel like you're going to be pretty good in, this, in the future. Uh, they gave me a verbal verbal offer. Nothing was written. And I took it. My fresh, my sophomore year, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to play for you guys. Uh, I, I can see what the future is going to hold for you guys as far as, you know, winning championships and ACC championships. And I was interested, and I was like, yeah, for sure, let's do it. So by me knowing what college I wanted to go to my sophomore year, I knew the, the requirements to get into Clemson. I knew what grades I had to have. Uh, and then I pretty much shut down um, I pretty much shut down recruiting right away. That way I could focus on doing what I had to do on the field, off the field. So I read somewhere where you were down to two schools, and it was South Carolina or Clemson. Yeah. Was yeah. Spurrier the coach at South Carolina at the time? Spurrier was the coach. Um, so Tommy Bowden got put on a hot seat, I think my senior year, and I was a little nervous. Uh, I didn't necessarily, wasn't in extreme contact with USC. And at the time I didn't sign a letter in a tent. So I wasn't, I didn't sign with Clemson right away. Um, I had a verbal commit with Clemson, but whenever coach Bowden was about to get fired, me and my father, we were a little nervous. So we decided that we probably should have a little security, uh, and, and see what else was out there. South Carolina was five minutes away from my house, a little too close for me. It didn't want to be around my, uh, my family that that close <laughs> to the family. So I was like, I got to get away a little bit. Uh, so that was a short-lived thing, and I almost went there for sure. They offered me at a camp. I went to a camp, and they offered me there as well. Yeah, it's funny because I, I lived in Tallahassee for a brief time in the 90s, uh, Florida. So I was there with Bobby Bowden, and when Spurrier was at Florida – and that was like a massive, massive rivalry. rivalry. Yeah. And I and I don't know if the Tommy Bowden Steve Spurrier rivalry equaled that. Oh yeah, just about the same. Coach Spurrier, you know how he is. He's a he runs his mouth a lot. So <laughs> anybody that's on the opposite side of him on the field, they they pretty much going, you know, catch any drama that he has coming because he is just he just talks a lot. So. <laughs> so you went. You go to Clemson. What was that experience like? Uh, Running, running down that hill. It was awesome. Uh, those those times were extremely fun. I would say the on the field and off the field. Uh, and also played with a, a lot of great players as well. So the excitement, the time, the time at Clemson was definitely cherished. Uh, but if I could go back and make those same mistakes over again, I definitely would. <laughs> it was good. It was, <laughs> it was it was extremely fun and exciting to play there. Who was your quarterback? Yeah, I think that's my. Oh. Uh, believe it or not, I have four different quarterbacks. That was the issue too. We were in a transition phase. We uh we had three offensive coordinators with Rob Spence. Don't know if you remember who he was. He ran a pro style offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we had uh Rob Spence was fired when Tommy Bowden got fired my freshman year. And then we picked up a guy named Billy Napier. Billy Napier was the head coach at Florida now, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he did some work with Alabama. He did some work with. A few other teams, um, and then, uh, and then we had uh, Chad Morris. Chad Morris was my third offensive coordinator. I played with Cullen Harper my freshman year, uh, Kyle Parker my sophomore year, and then our my sophomore my my senior year, junior senior year was Taj. A little bit of Taj, okay. yeah. Okay. Well, I had a lot a lot of a lot of quarterbacks, quarterback, yeah, a lot of quarterbacks, yeah. I played with Willie Corn a little bit as well. He started a few games. So, yeah, it was interesting. Oh, Kyle Parker was mostly our court, my quarterback, and then a little yeah. bit of Taj on the back end of that. Taj Boyd. Yep. Yeah. So, what? How hard is it to go from coordinator to coordinator to coordinator when you're trying to like do your best and get seen and and maybe get a shot at the NFL and you can't even get a stable offense? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those coaches was trying to keep a job, so <laughs> they did whatever they possibly could recruiting wise to get the next best player in there. And uh, that's kind of where a lot of players can get lost in the shuffle whenever there's no stable foundation. It was stable with Coach Sweeney there, but like you said, like I said, we had different offensive coordinators. So things were slightly different, a, a lot different. But uh, it was tough learning different offices, uh, offices throughout the four years. I think, you know, even though Rob Spence and Billy Napier ran a similar offense, Billy Napier liked to go down the field a little bit more. His terminology was pretty much the same, but a little bit different. Um, so that wasn't too bad of a transition, but when Chad Morris came in, this guy was like, 
he was like a he was like a madman when it came down to the offense, and he it was something different and new. But we also had a lot of better, a lot better players at the time. Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins. I played with those guys. Andre Ellington. So it was it was interesting, to say the least. You're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, Scott, you're he's on always mute. on mute. That's that's my thing. That's his thing. So so. The running down the hill, I think, is one of the be- coolest um, things in college football. When Clemson comes down, the hill, it's the rock, comes down the hill. And what's that like when you go from the the slant to the flat? Like, do you, do you have to, like, break up a little bit coming down there? Full speed and then a couple steps before the flat area, you got to slow down. And and then you go right back into it. Uh that that funny story is that that slant or that little slope that that stops for a quick second. We would always record it, and somebody will fall. Right, <laughs> <laughs> so it was always recorded, and then we would have meetings five forty five on Sunday or either Monday, and that would be the first day. Well, we got somebody today. You'll see somebody running down the hill, and they'll hit a side fall, and then they'll they'll show it as a little a comic relief if we lost the game or even if we won the game. So. Yeah, that, that little slight slant was definitely uh, could be funny at times if you didn't know what you were doing. So we would uh, we would definitely catch a lot of people slipping there. Um, but it was the most exciting time running down a hill. My freshman year, when Tommy Bowden was the head coach, he didn't really have a rule on you know uh, who could be in front of the hill. So I remember my freshman year, I was snuck up in the front, and I had this cool picture with me holding my teammates back, and we about to run down the hill. Uh, and then when Coach Sweeney became the head coach, it was seniority. Seniors go to the front, juniors in the back, uh, sophomore and then freshman. You gotta, you gotta get in the back. You gotta wait to the last and run down that hill. <laughs> so, what's it like now being a former Clemson player and where Clemson is today in college football? Like they are in the upper echelon. Oh yeah. Did did oh, yeah. you see that happening when you were there? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, I played in two ACC championships, Georgia Tech, back in 20, I want to say 2009. We played against Georgia Tech. Jonathan Dwyer was the running back at the time. He played for the Steelers. Um, And they also had uh, one of the receivers. I can't remember his name. He played for the Broncos for a little bit. Thomas, I believe. Uh, Demarius Thomas, but uh, we played against we played against those guys in the one ACC championship. We had CJ Spiller; he was really good. James Davis was really good. And then our second year, or the second time we went, we played against Virginia Tech, and we beat Virginia Tech in an ACC championship. So, or it might have been Virginia or Virginia Tech in an ACC championship. I can't remember. And uh, that time, when we figured it out that our offensive our offensive scheme was great for the talent that we had there, with Chad Morris. Um, the, the, the ball was rolling in turn. We, we got some good receivers in there and then we got a good quarterback and the Deshaun Watson and then turn it over to Trevor Lawrence. And then that's when it just all flipped. I feel like our year, 2008 to 2012 is when the foundation was definitely built. A lot of players wanted to come in. Uh, we went to two ACC championships. We wasn't on a national level. Now, like you said, they're up, up, up they're up there now. Um, so a lot of those guys want to play for them now, but I feel like we built that foundation for sure. <laughs> I got to take some credit. Oh. There you go. Yeah. So Corey yeah. Leonard says Dabo is by all accounts a good dude and a coach players want to play for. You got 100%. that opportunity. A hundred percent. And the same the same energy that you see on interviews is the same energy you see uh, with Coach Sweeney. Actually, I texted him maybe three weeks ago, telling him I'm coming to a game. He said, "Can't wait to have you, and I'll have some tickets waiting for you." So he still got the same number. He still responds to his old athletes. And he's 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 a stand-up guy for sure. So let's let's transition a little bit. You're you're an OG CrossFitter. Not only were you a hell of a college football player, but then you move into CrossFit almost immediately after college. Right. Were you doing CrossFit as part of your training, or was it something you found immediately after? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. I uh, <clears throat> I played in the CFL for a very short time. Um, and then once I got released or cut from the CFL, I was still trying to, you know, make a splash, either going to the NFL or going back to the CFL. And I just picked up CrossFit for a training method. It was, you know, it, it had everything that I needed, especially 
with football being start, stop, start, stop, a lot of interval style. Um, you'll de you develop good strength, good power. Uh, your endurance goes up. So I figured that, you know, CrossFit was something that could help me. And I did one competition, and I think it was my it was my first competition. I was competing against some really, really good guys at the time. Josh Miller was really hot at the time, and me and him tied, and we had to do a tiebreaker, uh, tiebreak workout. And everybody was like, Quan, if this is your first competition and you compete with Josh Miller, who's really good at the time, he's really he's still really good, who's really good, then then you should probably look into you know keeping this up. So and I think I won a good bit of money that weekend. And that was really the main thing. I was like, okay, if I can win five hundred to a thousand dollars every weekend just working out, why not keep trying to do this? So uh that's when it took off. I did a competition, fell in love with it. Um I talked to the owner at the gym that I was going to, Jason, Cy, and Sarah Cooper. I was in touch with them. They offered me a job. Uh, so I started coaching. And once I started coaching, and, and I lived, I pretty much lived in the gym at the time. So, yeah, it was downhill from there, uphill from there, I guess you could say. So there, there's a little smack talk in the chat. Um, a guy from Louisiana wants to know, did Mark want to watch the 2000 National Championship game uh, asking for Joe Burrow? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I watched it. Uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow played well. He performed well. I don't know if that was our best team put together at the time. Got a couple injuries, and some of our receivers weren't playing, you know, to normal. But hey, LSU did what they had to do in 2019. <laughs> that was that was just a, they had a couple good that that team was on such a roll. Oh yeah, yeah, they were hot. Joe Burrow's really good too. Nobody, I don't think he gets enough credit. Well, he probably gets all the credit, but he was he's really good. And they had a couple good receivers with Jefferson. Yeah, yeah they were good for sure. Ace. Yeah. Well, we, we live in Ohio and uh Charlie and I live in Ohio. So we're we we hear all the Bengal talk. Yeah. Um, I am not a Bengals fan. And my daughter went to Ohio University where Joe's dad coached. Oh, okay. So like she became a Bengals fan because of the whole thing. Man. Yeah. I mean, they hot. They were they were hot at one point, right? And you know, yeah. they, I mean, they still pretty good. So yeah, yeah. So the first time I got to see you was after your first games because you went to the games in 2019, correct? Uh, 2018. Yeah. 18, 18, 2018. So let let's go back there. You you start doing this at local comps. You start making fifty hundred bucks here whatever may win in some competitions. I'm sure that prize money went up a little bit. Then you, you actually get to the CrossFit games, kind of the pinnacle. What was, what was that experience like? Oh, it was, it was amazing. Um, I actually started CrossFit 20. I'm gonna go back a little bit more. I started CrossFit in two, 2013. Um, and like I said, the first year I qualified and at that time they had re uh, regionals. They were taking uh, – it wasn't super regionals. They were taking 40 guys to go to regionals. And I think I placed uh, 11th place or ninth place or something like that at regionals. So my first year, and everybody was like, wow, Quan, you're really going to be good at this. Then they changed the rules up. Uh, they, were, they they combined regions, and they made it a super regional. It was no longer 16 regions. It was eight. So it was a little bit harder to get into it, to regionals. And I think I missed it in 2014. Uh, because it was just a little bit tougher. 2015, I believe I missed it as well. And then 16 or actually, I, I missed it. was a gap to where I missed it a couple times. And then 2016 and 17, I made it back to regional 17. It was like very, very close. I was in top five position. Then I dropped down to 11th because of the last workout. So I obviously had a lot of holes in my game still. And then I tried to patch that up as much as I possibly could. And in 2018, I was able to punch the ticket to go to the CrossFit Games. And that was like one of those surreal moments to where it's just like, all right, you work so hard. Now, now what's next? You know, it's like, how do I train for this? I end up hiring the coach, Dave Charbonneau, with Forged by Zeus. And we hit the ground running pretty much. And the volume, the, the being around the big time guys, the different style of workouts, it was definitely eye opening on how, how still how much work that I had to do even though I qualified for the CrossFit Games. So um, it was a lot harder. Uh, the program, the, the programming was great. Dave Castro at the time was programming. Um, and it was fun. It was a good time. 
it was it was just I still had a lot to learn in 2018. Still do now to this day. So. So my my big question is: you you play a sport where it's pretty much quick burst, right? right. You play for for ten seconds, and then you you jog back to the huddle, go about another ten seconds, and that lasts for three hours tops. Yeah. Sure. Right. Now you're in a sport that goes four days, five days, whatever it was in 18. Um, and it's all day long for those days. You get a little bit of rest, maybe on one of them. What, w- what was it like converting your body to handle that as opposed to the quick burst stuff? And, and in 2018, I didn't even have a nutritionist. Now I do. Uh, I work with a Nathan. Uh, he's with RP Strength and Right now, the work that I'm putting in, I realized that that's that 1% as far as how I was feeling the body. So now in 2023, I kind of, you know, I needed, needed more help. And that extra 1% has me feeling better than I've ever had before. And at the time, I kind of just, 2018, I just went off my how I felt. I need to eat clean as possible and as much as I possibly could. Um, but far as the changing sports, it, like I said, it was very similar, even though the duration of it was over four to five days across the games. Uh, we were still doing workouts in a shorter time domain. Uh, some of them could be 30 minutes. Some of them couldn't. Uh, wasn't some of them shorter, some of them longer. Obviously, you work with different time domains. Uh, so that helps out. A three-hour football game, getting hit, uh, starting to stop in, the muscles tightening up, The pro- try to properly fuel yourself for three hours straight is probably a little bit harder than it is for CrossFit, honestly. Um, CrossFit, like you said, once you get done with working out, I can immediately go to a protein shake, hop on a bike to, you know, recover, go back to my hotel room, take a nap, shower, refresh, uh, get a little bit, a little bit more time to recover. And then I'll go hit and we'll go hit another workout. And sometimes we're only doing, you know, two to three workouts a day. So, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, I would say, I would say easier because it's not but it's a little different compared to football in a football game. Yeah. I, l- I left out that getting hit part. That's yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that changes the game a little bit. Yeah. That's where the bumps and bruises come into play for sure. <laughs> so the other part about the games that we hear from athletes is you don't really have your own time when you're there. Once you get there for the briefing in the morning, you're kind of like on their time and their schedule. And you may not even know what that is. Right. That's something I was kind of used to though throughout football. You know, <clears throat> same rule applied. Whenever we had meetings in the morning, you know, we actually had class starting at eight o'clock in the morning. You'll go all day from eight to twelve, and then you'll do more meetings from twelve to two, and then you'll start practice from two to four. And then you got to go to study hall, and then so it was just like that right there was never really too much of an issue for me, as far as not having my time. Um, but I also keep it kept in mind that for the CrossFit games or even with CrossFit period, that this is and at the end of the day, it's, you know, we started CrossFit because it was first a hobby. We all loved it. And then it just so happened. It turns out that we we're really good at the sport and we could have a little bit more fun doing it. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like more pressure to me compared to football. So 2018, you go to the games and then all hell breaks loose with CrossFit. They decide they're going to change everything. Um, we're going to a sanctional season instead of regionals. And then they haven't stopped changing it since. Pretty much. Very true. Uh, and actually, they've been changing it, like I said, since I've started CrossFit. In the past 10 years, when I first started, it was 16 regions, 40 guys go. That's that. Then the following year, they changed it to eight super regionals. Uh, and at the super region, you know, it was, you know, North, it was Northeast region and all this other stuff. And they take the top 30 and then the top five. And then, you know, it was just always, it's always something, something different or something new with the rule changes in the sport of CrossFit and haven't really showed any consistency with keeping the same rule. And it looks like they still are making a lot of changes. So at this point, been doing it for 10 years, 11 years, it's getting to the point where it's like, it's whatever. It is what it is. Just kind of got to do what you got to do in order for you to perform well. The hardest period, though, or the time was definitely after 2018 when they went to that sanctional schedule and they was taking people out of the open 
top 30 out of the open to qualify straight for the games. And then you, you had 16 or 15 san- sanctionals and you had to win the sanctional. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they came up with that. I thought that was a better process to get to the CrossFit games, but I definitely did not think that was a better process to get to the games simply because if you know the body well, you know you have to peak for each of those sanctionals or yeah, sanctionals that was around. And if you're doing two to three sanctionals, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to peak for every last single one of them. So that right there was a very, very interesting time and very discouraging. And I'm sure it was for a lot of athletes. Yeah, I uh it and and the as a fan and someone covering the sport, because we kind of started this podcast in that 2019 year. And then it was, you had to do Rain Man math to figure out who had already qualified and who doesn't count on the in the standings of that sanctional. And so really, you just have to finish seventh instead of first. Right. And it was like, good God, like trying like, to keep up with that was was so hard. It was very tough. Uh, and those sanctionals were all over the place. You had to do qualifiers to get to even go there. So your body's just getting beat up. You try to peak for the open which is absurd. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a lot going on during that time. And then it didn't get better after that. <laughs> 2020 happened. So the first time I got to see you compete in person was during that sanctional season um, at the Mayhem Classic. Okay, yeah, that was a tough one. That was yeah, tough. That, that, was, that was like Rich pushing everybody to their limits. Right. It's, and that was another thing that wasn't really regulated. You know, uh, some of those sanctional events, I may be honest with you, they were like harder than across the games, meaning like when you have a well thought out program, different, like I said, different time domains and you, you kind of can gauge, uh, you can kind of, you can kind of gauge on how the body will feel after, you know, different events with some of these sanctional events that they were doing. It was just like, heavy on the legs or heavy on the shoulders or a lot more cardio than one. It favored some athletes power output or it favored more gymnastics athletes. Uh, it wasn't really that much balanced. Not saying rich uh, mayhem wasn't balanced because it pretty much, pretty much was, but like a lot of competitions don't have a balanced program and that factors into it. If you're not a Matt Frazier who can be great at everything or rich Froning who could be great at everything, uh, some of the workouts play to your favor, and then some of them just don't play to your favor. So you try to you try your best to be great at all of them, but you know it, yeah. you still end up having holes in the game somewhere. So those san- san- sanctional events, programming wise, you you want to pick one that you feel like is geared towards what you know your your style of workouts, but you, you never you never know. So it was definitely an interesting time. <laughs> well, that may that mayhem classic was was great in some aspects, but it was very games like because they made you ruck run yeah uh, like through the mountains. Um, and that was, and that the, was, the weights were heavy and that was the first event <laughs> the right first event we had a the long ruck run through the mountains and I, I'm glad you said mountains because I think it was portrayed as a trail run, but it was definitely <laughs> not a trail run and we had a 30 pound ruck on. And the first mile was a sprint up this huge mountain. And then the last, I don't even remember how long it was after I kind of blacked out, was the worst. <laughs> it, it was the worst, the worst. And then that right there set the tone for the weekend for us. How am I going to recover for this? Because now your back is shot from carrying a 30-pound ruck for over an hour. Calves are done for because you're doing a lot of terrain running. The elevation was extremely high. Um, that was a tough event. That was a really tough event. Yeah, I uh, what I did like about it from a spectator point of view is the intimate setting. Yeah. Um, the the six lanes, you could see everybody on the floor. It made the races so much more fun to watch. Um, but yeah, it was it was a brutal brutal set of workouts for yeah, sure. It definitely was. Uh, yeah the 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 intimacy of that play the it was at Mayhem and the last time I was there it was for my L one and how big the gym was was perfect for a class setting but it made it really intimate for a competition everybody was right there like you said it was six lanes um and the fans were there uh, very close it was cool so that was a definitely a cool aspect of it and i think he limited it to 
was it individuals only? Yes. Yes. So, like no teams there, individuals only. Mm -hmm. And I think the 30 guys or 40 guys were, you know, almost hand selected for sure. I think I got an email for that or a text or a DM about that competition. The other thing I remember about you in that moment is your weight belt. The, you were sporting the purple and orange. Yep. Had your football number on the belt. Yeah. Um, do you still wear that today? I do. I still have it. That was made by Blitz Belt. Blitz Belt to me, they started in Spartanburg, Greenville, Spartanburg area, South Carolina. And uh, that was a sponsor of mine. And Chris is still a good friend of mine. So we, uh, we're in touch on a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that man loves his school. Yeah, I do. <laughs> definitely at that time I was definitely proud of those guys too. I think a national championship was won that year. I'm not even sure. No, actually they won a national a couple of national championships leading up to that. So it was mm -hmm. I was definitely still riding cloud nine for that. Yeah. So then we we get through the COVID year and then we start getting back into semifinals. You've you've participated in all the semifinals. Uh, Mac in 21 granite games last year, um, two very different style semifinals, even though we're trying to get more consistent out of the sanctional stuff, granite games is outside. It's in a football stadium. You can run outside Mac, no running outside. You're going to be on an air runner or whatever. Um, what, what are your thoughts on semifinals as they are? Um, up until this year? Uh, so, I, and I think they randomly select which one you go to, and they asked us, hey, which competitions would you like to go to? Uh, they sent out an email and said, what's your top three? If you had to choose, what's your top three? I think everybody got their the number one. In 2016, I did Granite Games. Uh, Patrick Vellner was there, Elijah Muhammad, Rasmus Anderson, Zach Carline, uh, he's from Canada, not really doing much anymore. Uh, but in 2016, I did the Granite Games, and I came in third third place. And I think Patrick Vellner ended up winning it. And I think that's when I kind of, like, started to step on the scene a little bit because it was a lot of other – Rasmus Anderson, Elijah Muhammad, a lot of big-time either games athletes or regional athletes that I beat. And uh, so that was a good weekend, and I loved the way the programming was. And I think John Swanson was a programmer for that one. Um and I also did Mac in 2008, uh, no, 2019, maybe it was. Or maybe it was 27. One of those sanctional years, I did Mac and I came in fourth. So I also like the programming that both of those guys, that both of those guys have. So whenever I got the invite to go to Mac and Granite Games, uh, John Swanson no longer programs for Granite Games. The program is different. Uh, Mac has a same programmer. Um, but yet again, those workouts and style of workouts kind of changed throughout the years. So um, leading up to that, I'm, I'm extremely happy now that CrossFit is regulating all of the programming for all semis. That way that all the tests are the same. And then hopefully we'll see a little bit more balance with the, uh, with the programming, with CrossFit programming. So now you come to this year, you – you, you know where you're going before the season even starts. So you know you're going to Orlando. Yep. And um, and it's actually probably as close to the regional structure as we've been. Um, kind of back to it. CrossFit's programming everything. Um, you know where you're going. But, man, a field of 60. Yeah. Field of 60 is a lot. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I don't – uh, the more people there, with it being the first year, it could be helpful for some athletes and it could be hurtful for some athletes. You know, if you if you have some of those, you know, I wouldn't say lower tier because everybody earned their, earned their spot at semis. But if you have, you know, a couple lower tier athletes specializing in certain events and they can beat the higher athletes, that can mess up points for some people take points away from some, and it also can help some. So I'm going to hold off on comments on that until we have a better idea of what's going on, you know, uh, or how it plays out. So it's going to be interesting. It's a lot of people, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're going to have some specialists down in that 50 to 60 range 
that can that are going to hammer a workout right and they're just going to jack everything up right right and that's how that's that's what that's where you will find the the best of the best i guess uh if if the better athletes can eliminate that then you know they deserve to go to the games and if some guy just gets extremely lucky with you know a couple great events i mean i guess that's just how it, it shakes out you know <laughs> it'll be interesting to see yeah. So five workouts have been released. Right. Any thoughts on the five that you know? Uh, I love them. To be honest with you, I uh, it's, I mean, they are interesting considering that we've seen muscle up pretty much at every stage, uh, of every stage of you know the open quarters and semis. We've seen muscle ups for every stage, and now we've seen it. We've seen them every stage. They progressively gotten kind of harder. Um. I'm just trying to try to figure out where it's going to lead to for the CrossFit Games. You know, it's like we pretty much threw everything as of what we've known in the past out there already. Now, how is the CrossFit Games going to look as far as being creative and the style of movements? I can only imagine that it's going to be, I hate to say it, almost like a circus. You know, it's like, <laughs> like what's next now? You know, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and then, and then and we'll go from there. But I do love the five events that's planned so far. Yeah, I, I think it's there. It has a 2017, 2018 feel. I agree. Uh, with, to regionals. Right. With uh, you start with the triple three in, in 18. Now you've got this long machine chipper yep. uh, to start this year. You got right. Linda from both of them. Yep. Dumbbell um, Linda. My own, be a good one and interesting. So, yeah, I feel like. Yeah. I love a good bench press, man, but I hate dumbbells. <laughs> and I feel like most people do, you know, and it's just like, just give us the barbell and let's rock it out. But dumb, the dumbbell bench press have been in a lot of local comps lately uh, with water pools have been happening this past year. You saw some dumbbell bench press. Um, and then also you saw some dumbbell bench press at crash. We had, I did a competition in October, uh, J.R. Howe, who's a games competitor planned or programmed a bench press uh, workout. So you can only imagine if he's out there just looking, looking and seeing what's going on, what's popular, and what's what's really affecting athletes. And maybe he saw that you know dumbbell bench press was something that a lot of people struggle with, and you want to see how well it tests for the bigger field. At, at Wadapalooza, it was a big sticking point. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Now that the weight is a little heavier too, oof, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually I judged uh, in two thousand eighteen. And I had to save a lot of people's lives on that bench press. And it was a regular bench press. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was, and it was at 195, right? Because you had to wait. No, it was, yeah, it was a 195 bench press, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think over time it got, it got a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you, and then I really love that snatch, the, the, the run with the max snatch and then the snatch with the, with the fast run. Correct. Correct. And that right there is I've, I've tested all the, wor the workouts except three, uh, four and five. And that's going to be an interesting one. I feel like it's just going to hurt. Like you got to push that run as much as you can on the back end. Mm -hmm. And then you got to be smart about the run on the front end. That way you give yourself some time to snatch at least a decent amount of weight. You know, it's only a six minute time cap on both. So with a two minute rest in between. So it's going to be definitely like I said, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how well guys test out with that. And we've never done that I can think of. You know, I think back in 2000, maybe 14 or 13, you had double unders in a max lift. Uh, and that was at a uh, sectionals. I think that's what it was called, sectionals back in the day or something like that. Um, but being extremely fatigued going into a heavy lift, I can't think of anything that's quite like this test right here off the top of my mind. Besides – the long trail run into the heavy deadlift, but I think they had a decent amount of time reset after that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's, that's another thing that I like about boss is uh, we are doing a one rep max, but it's not a true one rep max for sure. Mm. The 800 meter run. And I feel like he does a great job with, let's see how well you can move higher percentage weight instead of just throwing a one rep max. Because technically that can test both fitness and, you know, muscular endurance, et cetera, strength, power and strength. 
Well, one of my favorite events ever was the the run with the uh, clean ladder at the games. Oh yeah, that was one of them as well. That was like yeah, a, what, a slow trot, two hundred meter run, and then they clean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the cleans did get pretty heavy. That was definitely that was a good year for Geek for Geek actually because of all of the heavy lifting that was happening that year. Uh, I think he came out with three one hundred point finishes, and that put him pretty much up there, which is really good. Which is really good. So. So I want to talk briefly about David Charbonneau. Uh, is he still your coach? Yes, Dave Charbonneau is still my coach. We were texting yesterday. <laughs> and uh, you're with Forged by Zeus? Correct. So that's uh, Tim Paulson's a part of that as well? Yeah, Tim Paulson. Uh, Chris Clyde is also a part of that. And Meg, Meg Reardon, whenever she was competing, she was a part of it. Uh, Garrett Clark, he's also going to be at the Northeast region, uh, the Northeast semifinals, uh, North America East, excuse me. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's us rocking it out. We also had a couple masters athletes too, Julie Schaefer. She, uh, she was a part of Forge by Zeus as well. So you've been with them since what, seven, 18, you said? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with David? Uh, it's, it's, it's a simple one, you know, whenever, you know, he needs something or I need something, I just, we should shoot each other a quick, a quick text and then we'll go from there. We check in with each other, you know, beginning, end of the season. And we also have a group chat going throughout the year, uh, on certain workouts that we, uh, think that he's crazy on programming. <laughs> we'll let him know how we feel. <laughs> and then, uh, we just get a lot of feedback as far as, you know, if we need it what's going on with this clean today. Can you check it out? We'll send him a video. He'll help us out there. Um, he'll give us a lot of feedback on how he want, what, what stimulus is, what stimulus he want on certain workouts. Um, and give a lot of advice on, you know, training tip, training tips for whatever it is. And he also does a great job of like understanding the sport and seeing what's coming kind of, cause it's a lot of things we've been practicing and working on and, they're showing up based off how the sport is trending. So he does a great job with that as well. So I was watching a thing yesterday with a couple of the um, people from different camps. Um, and they were, they were asked the question, all these strict movements that you're hearing about, like strict bar muscle ups, strict ring muscle ups, is that good for the sport or bad for the sport? And they were adamant that it was very bad for the sport, that it is not pleasing to watch and it's hard to judge. Oh. But yet, Boz's trend is kind of toward that, like, basic CrossFit, you need to be strict to, to start. So what are your thoughts going in? Because there's a lot of rumors there's going to be some kind of strict muscle-up coming in, in, in this programming. Uh, honestly, uh, we, we've... You know, we've been doing we've all been doing a sport for some time now. Like you said, you can see a trend of what's going on and what's happening. And if we can see it coming, the best thing you could do is prepare. So when it happens, it happens, you know. It's one of those situations or things to where it's like nothing nothing we can really do <laughs> but do it. You know, you can't really complain much about it. You just you'll still have to do it. Um, I do feel like some of the strict movements is another test of overall strength and a body weight capacity rather than Rather than seeing how much weight you can lift, how much how how strong are you when it comes down to strict handstand push-ups and strict muscle-ups when it comes down to bodyweight movements? And I mean, it's, it's just another test of strength, skill, power, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, I I personally don't care, but you know, if if we see some strict movements, I'll try my best to be prepared for it whenever it happens. So what what are your goals for this year? I'm assuming it's CrossFit Games, right? But I want to hear from you, your goal this, going into the semis. This year is um, trying to make it back to the you know, CrossFit Games. Uh, I've been trying to, for the past couple of years. I did have a weird injury a couple of years ago, and I finally feel like I'm able to really regain some strength from that from that injury. Finally, feel like everything's clicking cardio-wise. Numbers are where they where they kind of where they used to be. Um, strength is where it is. Um, so I'm extremely happy about the way this year is playing out so far. And the goal is to get back to the 2023 CrossFit Games for sure. So what kind of crew are you taking with you? Your Instagram shows a lot of pictures with your fiance, Casey. 
Yeah. Is she going to be there? Yeah, she'll be there. She'll be there. And then a lot of members from the gym will be there as well. So we got, a, we actually got a good crew coming down this year. So a lot of, a lot of friends will be coming down from, from uh, across the Roseland. Obviously the fiance will be here as well. Yeah. And you are the head coach at CrossFit Roseland. Correct. And, um, I'm, and, I'm and, that, as well. and you are, is that your full-time gig? Correct. Yeah. And I'm here now, as you can tell. <laughs> and, and you, do you see that as your future? Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, I will possibly, could possibly open up something on my own or yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Can see see myself in this in the near future for sure. But you enjoy coaching and and the fitness stuff. I do. Yeah, coaching, programming, the fitness stuff is what I love for sure. Yeah. Charlie, you got anything? Well, I was just gonna say, speaking of the crew, um, do you still go down there to or up there to Iowa with oh, those yeah. boys? Yep. We uh, James Townsend. We, so that's another thing that helps out a lot. <clears throat> James Townsend. Um. I'm not technically on staff with uh, with James, but I go there and help him out with coaching. And then it's another opportunity for, you know, solid networking, learning from mm-hmm. guys and teaching as much as I possibly can. Um, and we work out all weekend, whatever we go. He, he, runs, he runs about two, I would say two and a half, because he called mini camps and he has other camps. He has about two and a half camps a year. And we yeah. all just link up. And we all just work out and we just have a good time. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we uh, we got a, a little relationship with Dex. So we, we, we heard about the in uh gym stuff and some a little bit of the out of the gym stuff too. <laughs> yeah. We uh <laughs> we good, it's, it's a good way to just really decompress whenever we out there. We, we we just you know, you're doing some fitness and you're just hanging out with some good friends, yeah. some good guys, some good old boys for sure. Yeah, James is one of the best humans I've ever met in my life. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. And he's uh except I think there's something going on because that four oh five cleaning he's doing is something <laughs> insane. That's like almost routine for him. The guy the guy like All right. <laughs> whenever he does any lift, it starts off at one thirty five, goes to two twenty five, it goes to three fifteen, and three to four three to five lifts he's at his max. And it's just like I don't know how he's doing this right now. It's crazy. Uh, but he's super strong and one of those naturals. <laughs> definitely explosive for sure. Yeah. Do you ever seek out advice from like other coaches like him, like on strength stuff? Because um, uh, you have your normal programming, but he's just like so naturally gifted right. at, at lifting. Uh, James, James actually is a really good friend of mine. And he also, we, for the most part, that half the time when we're talking, it's about life, you know, is 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 more so, you know, how's wedding planning going? How's the gym? How's a uh, uh, gunner, my dog? How's, you know, X, Y, Z? We got a trip that's planned here to uh, uh, Barbados. And, we, you know, we've been talking about that a lot. We want to do some other business ventures later on down the road. We've been talking about that a lot. So for the most part, me and James, when we're communicating, it's, it's really just to check in on each other, see how we're doing. And, and you know, just in another ear to to listen like both ways and to vent both ways. So uh, for the most part, we keep it we keep everything you know not really gym related. But whenever events do come out or things do happen, he'll throw a quick on how he feel about you know X Y Z. And you know, I'll, I'm always I'm always open to taking advice on anything i'm always here i'm always listening as much as i possibly can because you never know something can help you later on down the road no matter who it's from so you you mentioned wedding planning uh you and carrie are engaged casey yeah casey casey sorry casey and uh uh when is the wedding is it this year or are you uh next year. It around the games next no, year? It's next year 2024 yeah june 6 2024 so that's and that was another thing this year Depending on how this year go, depending on how this year go, it, it, I, well, the beginning of this year, I was very strong about this being my last year. But depending on how this year goes, if uh, a, a game appearance, games appearance happen, we might have to sit down and re- reassess. Uh, my body feels great right now. feels really good. So I may keep rolling, but who knows? 
Um, but yeah, 2024 will be doing a lot of planning. I might take that year off just to focus more so on, you know, business ventures and getting married and stuff. Do you see yourself competing beyond that? Like team masters, any of those types of things? I do. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoy the sport. Uh, I really enjoy working out first and foremost. Uh, and I've all, like I said, I started this to just train for football, you know, and it was something that I gained a passion for. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, so I don't, I don't see myself stop, stopping working out. So if I feel like I can continue to compete at a high level or work out at a high level, I will continue to do it. Um, now if it gets to a point to where I don't feel like I can work out at a high level anymore. Then that's when I'll consider, you know, just sticking to an hour a day and focusing more so on, you know, life, business ventures, family, et cetera. <clears throat> so when you played football, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty adamant about playing weights, right? right? Like to play this position, you need to be at blah, blah, blah. Do, do you still have that attitude when you're competing in CrossFit or I, you just, whatever feels good? Yeah. I, uh, for the longest competed, competed around 200, one, well, for the longest competed around 194, 196. This year I'm competing around 200. Um, not that much of a difference. Uh, I do feel a lot stronger, but also at the same time, my cardio is probably better than what's ever been. And that's due to me having my nutritionist, my guy, uh, RP, working with RP or working with Nathan. So that feels a lot better. I don't really try to gain or lose any weight for the sport. And granted, and, and to be honest with you, in college, I mean, you see a lot of smaller receivers nowadays. So I don't even know if they push in weight. You know, if they telling people that they need to gain weight these days because now these receivers are a lot smaller. Uh, I know when I was coming out of high school to go to college, coaches didn't say that they wanted me to gain weight, but I got hit once or twice. <laughs> and that's when I was like, yeah, I probably want to put on some weight here. <laughs> so I think I went yeah, from, yeah. when I was in high school, I went from 175 to 195 or 190. And I did all of that within like a semester. So that yeah, was very interesting. So your your competing weight has not really changed much since college. No, not at all. Been around the same weight pretty much since college. Yeah. Yep. Dang. Well, actually, it got to a point to where when I was thinking about, well, when I was trying to go to the NFL, I got to 215. But that was way too heavy for me. That's not my world. <laughs> I slowed down a lot. So didn't need all that. Didn't need all that extra weight. And, uh, definitely now 195 to 200 is definitely my range. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Um, fitness, fitness, fitness has worked for you. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Well, I want to thank you so much for jumping on with us, Mark Juan. Uh, no this has been a blast. Uh, I will be in Orlando, uh, covering the event down there. So we'll see you there. We'll see you there. That's awesome. Can't believe it's a week away. I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> excited for this year. Yeah. And everybody in the chat, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, we will catch everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast.